and welcome to Logan Sounds Off, where I talk about books, music and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Logan Kelly. Welcome to Logan Sounds Off. Today on my podcast, I am talking to one of the most interesting people on the Irish music scene at the moment, who's played with Thumper and much more, Oisín Leahy Furlong. How are you, Oisín? Hello, how are you? I am brilliant, thank you for asking. Um, So, for those who don't know you or your band Thumper, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh play in Thumper. Thumper is like a kind of a six-piece psych rock noise pop weird little group of strange humans um and uh, yeah we've been going for a few years brought out our first record there about a year and a half ago after many many little EPs and tapes and stuff and then kind of more recently I've been putting out um singles leading up to my first solo record under the name Animo Drive, which is sort of a different buzz, kind of more uh, lo-fi, sparkle horse, Daniel Johnston, you know, that sort of thing. So um, those are currently the two main uh, feathers to my bow. Brilliant. And both bands, I know Animo Drive and Thumper, they're both very different, yet just incredible. So actually... Growing up, you listened to various bands and musicians. Like there was a massive kind of, nearly a palette of music there. Um, but I read that you had nearly a eureka moment when you heard Nirvana. And um, could you explain further what it kind of felt when you first heard them? Yeah, well, there was a couple of bands around that time. I think possibly the main actual eureka moment was when I first heard um, American Idiot by Green Day, which came out when I was 11 years old in 2004. And before that, I was into music, but I wasn't, I don't know, I was never going to be what I did. I was I was actually really into kind of art and drawing and illustrating and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then I heard that song and, you know, uh, the age I was at and the music group listening to, there's obviously a big lineage of bands leading up to Green Day that I'd never heard of. So when I first heard them, it was like an alien coming down, you know. It was so immediate and it was so poppy and sort of accessible. Um, and there's kind of just enough depth there to kind of, uh, uh, yeah, keep me keep me interested. But through, through getting into Green Day, I was like, okay, well, who were they influenced by? What was going on in the early 90s? And eventually got Nirvana and Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, uh they kind of had everything that uh I could possibly want in a group in a lot of ways you know their music their songwriting was so um special and so kind of effortless you know I think you can listen to it with a you can listen to it with a level of naivety but you can also listen to it with a level of scrutiny and it kind of passes both tests you know uh, and then on top of that, Kurt Cobain is sort of um, his philosophies on life, especially his sort of gender politics. And he was talking about um, 
feminism and LGBTQ issues and stuff way before, you know, it was even in the zeitgeist when I was listening to those records 10 years later, you know. So those two things coupled for me <clears throat> really lit something in me that arguably is still kind of uh, lit today. That is very interesting and a very, it's a, a lot of people for Nirvana, they got into Nirvana and then Foo Fighters, but it's, it just shows how much of a music fan you are, that you were working backwards through inspirations to find Nirvana. And even Green Day's American Idiot is a great album as well. But apart from Nirvana and Green Day, um, and I know you listen to much more, what kind of music inspiration did you have at the time? What genres were you looking out for? Well, I think um, I think a lot of the appeal from the get-go with that band was just sort of the immediacy of it, you know, and how you could listen to three minutes of music and just be like, right, I'm a, I'm a lifelong fan, you know, and like I said, it sort of lit something musically in me and passion-wise and really altered the whole trajectory of my life. I was like, right, I'm going to be... A musician i'm gonna be a songwriter i'm gonna be a singer even though it would take me many many more years to learn how to sing properly it's an ongoing battle but i actually a lot of the time found myself gravitating towards songs like uh dumb and poly and the whole unplugged record i i loved and it seemed somehow more uh achievable because I didn't I didn't couldn't see myself commanding a stage in that way or or I didn't see myself as having that big a personality or something you know there's there's just some something about the softer songs that kind of really gravitate towards me and I think through that I started getting into like like I said Daniel Johnston there's like Moldy Peaches and and uh, Adam Green and Jeffrey Lewis all these kind of New York anti-folk people and then again just kind of going backwards and backwards and backwards. I was getting into Bob Dylan and um, so, yeah, I actually ended up kind of almost being more into the sort of folk end of the spectrum for a lot of my teenage years. And I think in my mind's eye that that's where I thought I was going to go <laughs> to end up. And I fancied myself a bit of a bard, you know, um, there's an Irish songwriter called Fionn Regan. I don't know if you've ever listened to Fionn Regan's music before. No, I've actually never heard of him. So he has an amazing album that you should check out called The End of History, which came out in, a, I want to say maybe 2006, 2007. Um, really, really incredible songwriting, uh, sort of finger-picking style with really sort of obtuse, metaphorical lyrics that, you, that were so dense. I just could never understand what he was talking about, but that kind of gave it a mystery that I loved. Um, and that's sort of what I wanted to be. That's what I kind of, he was my archetype for a while. And Elliot Smith and all those. Um, so yeah, it was a long, long road before I stripped it back or built it up, whatever way, and looked at to the thumper sound. That is super cool. And I know personally, I love Nirvana. And I actually loved the Unplugged album myself as well. Uh, it was one of the first records I ever bought. And um, there is a kind of, there's a deeper sound to Unplugged because it feels more kind of realistic. So I think that's a really cool album to get into and lead on to even folk music. That's uh, very interesting. And now 
this is something that uh, I personally connected with where he said, you also you also spoke about uh, Sonic Youth in some past interviews and uh, you love their melody. And how does that influence your music today? Because I personally love the melody of Sonic Youth and their sound. But how does it influence the kind of music that you you create, whether it be from Animo Drive or with Thumper? Well, I, I think my favorite eras of Sonic Youth are like, well, Daydream Nation is my favorite album for sure. Uh, and I, I love the whole early 90s, like major label, most accessible version of Sonic Youth. You know, I, I've listened to all the records and I, I love a lot of them, especially the latter day ones are really, really quite good. Well, I'm always through the noise and through what can appear as quite abrasive. I'm always like searching for the melody and the kind of that sweet sort of center to it all. And I think um, in most of the bands I love, they have that. Uh, and, and potentially in a lot of the music I make myself it sort of has that it might seem sort of harsh or scary on the outside, but fundamentally it's coming from quite a sensitive place. Um, and again, there's there's a there's a there's a level with Sonic Youth. They're so mysterious in what they're creating. They're creating. I can see the tools they're using. You know, they're just using a drum kit and guitars and their voice. They're not. There's no Glockenspiel or tuba or synthesizers or whatever. It's like I have all those tools and I can't yeah. even begin to approximate what they're doing with it. They're not even. You know, a lot of what they're doing is so physical. It's they have big pedal boards that they barely touch. Sometimes it's just so. It's like they're ringing this sound out of nowhere. And so, yeah, there's something about that mystery um, that especially the older I get and the more I, I kind of know ultimately about music and, and you're, you're, you can sometimes, yeah, you, you just, you get attracted to stuff that you just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how they get to some of those places. I completely agree. I know I once saw Sonic Youth, I think was live. They just came into this studio and they just played. And I remember one of them was holding a guitar and they got out a uh, string and they, or a bow, and they started actually playing the guitar with the bow. And um, I know their latest album, In Out In, is incredible. And uh, I know they've got a new album coming out soon, which I'm very excited for. And they also had this SYOR series. And I remember when I first listened to them, they just confused me so much and I think like I myself play guitar but they're just they actually give a whole new input on how to play guitar and then uh did you always want to from all these different incredibly influential and inspirational and very musically bound groups did you always want to start a band and write music with other people I think so. I I think, uh, you know, even though I kind of quite quickly went down the route of like a lot of these solo artists, like I mentioned, Elliot Smith, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of my favorite music by them was, was the product of an ensemble. You know, if you, if you listen to like Jeff Buckley or you listen to Bob Dylan or you listen to that Fiona Regan album, it's not actually like this chap going out by himself and firing everyone and and producing and pressing. I, I love the process of collaborating. I think you always get something much more interesting from being twisted away from your own instincts. Um, 
And so, yeah, I pretty quickly after starting to learn guitar, I was like trying to get bands together. I was doing little talent shows at school. I was uh, doing Nirvana covers at those a lot of the times or Pixie songs or whatever. Um, and everything I ever learned musically, I think always was in service of just wanting to create something new. You know, I never wanted to learn any technique or of any sort of piece of equipment or fancy pedals or anything if I couldn't utilize it for my own creative needs, which for a while actually was to my detriment because I just wouldn't, wouldn't want to practice. I'd be like, oh, I don't I don't need to do a, you know, some crazy guitar solo because it's just not like, where is the song in that? You know, I'm always in search of the song. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, I did kind of always want to be in a band. I, I'm not sure I knew I had what it took to be the lead, the front man of a band or the whatever. But that said, I've been doing it on and off for years now, so there must be something to it. Wow. And then, like, when you started Thumper, um, and they've done so much since uh, they've started, um, what type of way were you thinking of going out with the band? Did you always originally think because uh, there are multiple different bands with two drummers? You got the Doobie Brothers, you've got um as well uh Grateful Dead, and I know Ned's Atomic Dustbin sometimes have two drummers, but it's a very odd thing to have two drummers. And not only that, you also have a bass guitarist and I believe three um guitarists. That is an incredible mix of musicians did you always picture this particular sound well so the first i, I put out three tapes under the name thumper at a period of writer's block kind of when i started studying music because i, I sort of lost the magic of it a little bit and so i just like joined other bands i stayed in the background for a while and then I started putting out these tapes called Thumper. I had it under a different, not my own name, so that I kind of wouldn't be accountable for the material there, if you know what I mean. So I could just like put it out, not worry about it, just push it out. And then it would unblock me, you know what I mean? But when I started oh. putting it out, there was an immediacy to it that I was like, oh, actually, this isn't just like an exercise. I'm at, this is, I'm creating something that's very felt a lot more unpreten unpretentious than I've been doing before. And just sort of from a really pure place. And I think immediately other people picked up on that as well, is, is my feeling, because we immediately started getting booked for festivals. But of course, I had no band. I just recorded everything myself on the tapes. Um, that's not to say I'm some sort of virtuoso. If you actually hear those tapes, they sound like a complete crap. Uh, and <laughs> I'm just like wailing away. Um <laughs> Well, like I said, I'm not like a born front man. I think when I get on stage, I exercise some sort of inner demon or some sort of pushed down extrovert that doesn't actually exist in my normal day-to-day -day life. So what I did was I basically got as many musicians as I possibly could to surround me. And I'd be just like in in the mix, not like the guy, not the focal point. I'd have two drummers. One of the first festivals, if not the first festival or first gig we ever did was for this festival called Knockin' Stockin', which was um, in Blessington. Amazing community, went on for years and years. It's, it's been gone now for a few years, unfortunately. But at that gig, I had possibly 
10 or 11 people on stage. Um, and actually, Alan, who plays guitar in Thumper now, wasn't in the band back then, but I pulled him out from some other band that he's playing with to make him come on stage with some play. Um, and yeah, it was literally just born from a place of, I want to make a gigantic noise. I want to be Nirvana, essentially, but I don't want to be the focal point. Uh, and so, yeah, it came from a very insecure <laughs> place. Wow. Um. And the other thing about that was back in those days, we were kind of this like sonic youth noise, way more caustic sort of endeavor where I had songs, there was the pop element, but I was almost like embarrassed of it. So at the end of every gig, we'd be just like trashing the place. It'd be like guitars getting broken, there'd be feedback, there'd be just walls and walls of noise. And after a while, I just started feeling a bit like a dancing monkey, you know, like it had nothing to do with music or songwriting, which is my ultimate passion. So yeah did end up even though it's a big band it was paired back from the brink and uh and uh yeah a, a big thing with us is just to never make it feel like our size is a novelty i always want to justify every person who's actually on stage so i feel like the two drummers and the three guitarists while it is sort of f a funny setup i feel like if you come see us you understand why every person is there Wow, I think that's a really incredible way to explain such a really cool band. And I know with Sonic Youth, um, what I always liked about Sonic Youth and what I actually like about Thumper is they don't worry about finishing uh, a song. I know there's a lot of bands who I always think of as a, nearly a radio band who make specific three-minute songs just for radio, and that's all they do. Thumper, instead, have much longer songs, but they feel like finished pieces of work, instead of very short songs with a certain uh, certain elements to them. And uh, regarding some of these songs, I love the Overbite Suite on the most recent LP. I think it's brilliant. But for those who aren't familiar with your new album, and aren't familiar with that particular suite. Could you explain what the Overbite Suite is all about? Yeah. Uh, so the Overbite Suite, as we've come to start calling it, it, it that whole album is it's it's called Delusions of Grandeur, and it's it's uh, kind of a it's somewhat it, it pertains to some of the lyrical themes, but it also is sort of. Uh, a tongue-in-cheek reference to the fact that it's our first album yet it's a double album and like it's almost like we're some sort of legacy act like we're ending our album with this like i don't know how long that song is like 15 minutes long or something nice. uh, it's kind of a ridiculous thing to do and certainly our management at the time would have loved for us to have a couple more three-minute radio bangers but uh that's not something that <laughs> i could offer unfortunately <laughs> Um, and yeah, with that song in particular, it's sort of, we recorded it as one long thing. It's broken down into three tracks on the album and it was a lot, I think it's important to, to up until COVID, like our main, the main people, the reason that people come see us is because we put on a good live show. So all but seeing us live, 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 live. And then during COVID, it was, I didn't know whether we'd ever get to do it again, play live, or what the future of the band would be. 
And so it was really important that the record stood on its own two feet. Like someone put it on and not be like, oh, this is good, but wait until you hear it live. You know, I wanted you to be able to listen to it and and really, really feel it. And then for us to be like, this is great. How the hell are we going to do this live? <laughs> you know, I didn't worry about how many guitars were on a song, how many overdubs. There wasn't like some punk rock, like, you know, one guitar, no overdubs. Uh, I wanted it to feel like it's just an absolute assault. Um, and so in, in that spirit, that song was very much like, how do we push ourselves even further past the structures of what people expect from us, what people maybe even want from us? Um, you know, that last song on the record, the last part of that down in heaven is sort of treading quite intense emotional uh, places that, again, I don't think we were necessarily associated with. Um and so, yeah, in some ways it's become a calling card and in other ways it's a complete outlier to everything we've ever really done. Um, but that's, it's, I kind of hope that's what I'm always trying to do is is reach outside of the comfort zone just a little bit every time um, while still delivering something that's ultimately pop music. <laughs> that is really, really cool. And I know myself, I love your, the new album. I mean, I love uh, even Fear of Art, which is nearly uh, one of the most popular tracks in the album. It's really, really cool. And if you haven't heard Delusions of Grandeur, uh, definitely check out Thumper's music. And I know as well, Thumper has an EP and a couple of singles um, that as well along with the album. So I'd make sure to have a listen to that. And if you're a record collector like me, make sure to buy their records as well. But now we were mentioning there about uh, the band and the way it's just such a crazy setup. So did you find it difficult nearly to write the tracks with this unique sound, nearly trying to uh, organize, well, not organize, but write all the different ways that it was nearly going to be played on the album with all the different instruments? Uh, I, I would say the opposite would be true, that I would find it very difficult to write any other way. <laughs> you know, like the problem is that every time I write a song, there's so many bells and whistles and it's almost like this jigsaw that's living in my head that I know it's all going to fit together. I just have to will it into existence. Fear of Art is a kind of good example, early example of this, where it's all like single notes on the guitar that are like moving to create different chords at a time, almost like a brass band or something. Um, which is, I, I would say the first time I came across someone doing that, if it wasn't Sonic Youth, it was, um, do you ever listen to Glenn Branca? Do you ever listen no. to his music? No. So, the way that Thurston Moore and Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth met <clears throat> is that they were in an experimental, like no wave guitar orchestra in New York uh, that was kind of organized. Uh, the creative uh, mind behind it was this guy called Glenn Branca who passed away a few years ago. Um, but he would do things like have, say there's seven people there, you have every single person tune all of their strings to one note and have every single person play the same note <laughs> or something, you know, and then when you make tiny little shifts 
away from that suddenly it's like this the the stereo field is really really affected you know you can feel it but it's almost like not musical it's 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 something else and um so fast forward 30 years later i'm doing a very kind of disney version of that with my little song but uh all that to say i love the studio i love i love building it up and i love like i said justifying all the moving parts and actually just worrying about it later um because as you know the live show is a kind of a different uh different thing altogether then i don't really uh yeah you just you just make the best music you possibly can right down there and then you worry about it later on like you were saying there that it's for you it's a kind of no i'm not going to say handy but it's a lot simpler to kind of write music with that kind of band but you also have animal drive and that's just you. And I know you're, uh, I believe it's the 8th of March this year, 2024, and uh, Animal Drive is releasing uh, the first album. I'm very excited and I can't wait to have a listen. But um, is it, do you find it hard to write music yourself? Or do you find it's not hard, but something, nearly something else? Well, in a sense, I'm always writing it by myself. It's just that when I bring it to a, a thumper song to the band, I know that it's going to be made better by their involvement. So even it's no two songs are the same, but even if I'm like, okay, you do this, 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 it'll come together. And then like that jigsaw I was talking about, but they're all way better than me. <laughs> You know, so they'll go, yeah, I could do it that way or I can do it this way. And you're like, oh, yeah, sick. And then all these little micro changes and suddenly it's actually not what you had intended, but it's something better. But it's still kind of coming from a core idea that, it, it, you know, we'll start off in this bedroom or whatever on a guitar. Um, And similarly with the Animo stuff, uh, it is... It was all well. It was me and and a and a guy called Rian Trench produced it. Um, I met Rian. He he did the initial sessions for Delusions of Grandeur in two thousand nineteen. We didn't end up using most of what we did in the studio. We kept a lot of the drums and stuff. Uh, but me and him got on really well. He owns a studio and produces bands, Saint Sister, uh, lots of cool acts, <clears throat> and so. I had him in the back of my head for this thing and I was starting to amass a bunch of material that just sort of, you know, at that time I felt wasn't going to fit in the Thumper extended universe. Um, and yeah, so even though it, it is a solo vehicle, quote unquote, there's still, I was going in collaborating, you know, I was still like, what do you think of this? And you go, cool. Da, da, da. And you go, what do you think of this? Uh, I don't know. What about this? You know, there's a dialogue there. Um, and part of that as well is just keeping me accountable. I get so bored of my own ideas sometimes that I need someone to be like, no, do it like do it, do it, but do it better, you know. Um yeah. so yeah, it's not that I it's not that I can't. Maybe it is that I can't. I've never actually put out something that I did totally by myself. Is there? No, that's true. I did three thumper tapes by myself and I was like, Yeah, it's enough. <laughs> I need to get some some other guys and girls involved with this. Wow, that I just 
that's great though that you have two like because I've spoken to a lot of I've spoken to even this year I spoke to a man called Johnny Foster plays with a band called Hardwick Circus um, and if you haven't heard of them I definitely check them out but no the thing was with a lot of the bands was there were certain ways that especially if they were solo musicians as well they had a lot of specific ways and a lot of people had very similar ways but that's a very unique way of writing music and now back to Thumper with Delusions of Grandeur it's not just me saying it's a great album a lot of people are because this was actually nominated for the Irish Album of the Year at the 2023 Choice Prize. What was this like, your album, being nominated for such an incredible, incredible award? Uh, it was pretty, pretty wild. I, I think everyone, ourselves, our management and, and almost every journalist I spoke to was pretty surprised that we were on that list considering how much great music came out um so very uh pleasantly surprised to be included yeah i think it it certainly wasn't something we ever aimed for and it's not something we're thinking about now that we're working on the second album but it was kind of a nice just bit of cosmic proof that if you just stick to your guns on what you think will make an interesting piece of art I don't know you, the audience will find you you know because so many people said like the label we were working at the time their st distributor were like please don't make this a double album the songs are too long the, the, you know some of them are then really short it's too this it's too that and, and I just had to like completely block everyone out and be like this is fortunately this is exactly what I'm going to do and you can stop me uh now yeah I don't know it, it was a it was a proud moment and I was I was uh really proud to be on that list because there's so much amazing amazing music and um the direction of the choice prize is going is really cool because even this year again you can see it's gotten even more diverse, even more just interesting, you know. Um, and I think it's it says a lot about the health of the Irish music scene at the minute. So just, um, yeah, really proud to kind of be in that mix. Well, in all fairness, you're saying there was so much amazing music. He definitely deserved to be nominated. And I mean, as well, you're saying the health of Irish music at the moment. You're totally contributing to that. And it's great to be able to speak to you about this. I have two questions, and um, you mentioned there about so much Irish music coming out, great Irish music. Are there any upcoming Irish bands who you've heard of who might not be as well-known who you'd like to shout out at the moment? Yes. I always hate, I always hate when this question gets asked in interviews because I can ne it's always after the fact. I'm like, oh, I should have said them, I should have said them. Um, But one person I always shout out is a guy called Joey Gavin, who brought out his debut album about two or three years ago. He was the original bass player in Thumper way back when. And um, myself and Alan played a bit on the on the record and stuff. Uh, it's called Between the Mountains and the Mystery by Joey Gavin. Uh, he's living in Berlin, running art space over there, doing gigs and stuff. Incredible, like sort of psyche folk 
music that um if you haven't heard you should definitely check out um there's a great artist called Aner A O N A I R who's putting out like 80s inspired like tears for fears esque synthy bangers and I know for a fact he's um, putting the finishing touches on an amazing record at the minute but he has some release stuff that's absolutely incredible too uh, and then my final recommendation would be uh, there's an incredible singer-songwriter called Holly Munro who's putting out kind of lo-fi mid-fi adjacent just solid songs in the vein of I don't know Frankie Cosmos Big Thief-esque. Um, all of those people are huge inspirations to me um, and deserve to be heard more. Perfect. Well, there you go. I know I haven't heard any of them, so I'm going to have a listen, and you should too. So before we go, Oshin, I just want to ask you, for guitarists or even people who I know you attended uh, BIM, for people who are going into BIM or just want to are starting a band, releasing their first demo tape or EP or anything, what advice would you give them and what tips would you give them? Um, I would say don't be precious. Make deadlines for yourself that you have to meet. Just do it because there will always be someone interested in listening to what you have to say and have to sing or play um don't wait to amass all of your best material for a decade and then bring out your solo album just record the thing put it out move on record the thing put it out move it on and through that process you will find what it is you're trying to do. Um, don't be afraid to fail in front of people over and over and over again, because most people aren't doing it at all. Uh, and so even the process of doing it and failing it or thinking you're going to fail and then arriving at it and going, oh, I actually succeeded in everything I wanted to do with this. How can I make it better next time? Um, and don't forget that you... Uh, you love it. That's, that, that's a good one. That's brilliant advice there. Um, so, Ushin, you've given me some incredible answers. Um, I know you spoke about a lot of bands and musicians who I'm definitely going to check out. And I've just found this a really cool experience. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Logan, you're doing great work. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, if you want a little little preview of the animal record, I'll send it on to you. As long as oh. you don't share it with anyone. Oh, I won't. Thank uh, you so much, Ushin. And, and yeah, in the future, just get in touch, man. You're doing a great I, job. I'll make sure. And when the animal record comes out, I'll make sure to share it on my social media. But if you um, yourself want to listen to Animal Drive's new album, it will be released on March 8th, 2024. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Bye, Oshin. Awesome. Cheers. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Logan Sounds Off. You can follow me on X, Facebook and Instagram at Logan Sounds Off. And don't forget to subscribe and not miss any more cool episodes. Bye guys!